You're listening to Deal Talk with 7MA, providing invaluable insight into investment banking and the M&A space through honest conversations with industry thought leaders, business pioneers, and innovators. We'll pull back the curtain and give you the inside scoop on trends in our targeted industries and provide you the tools to better position your company in today's market. So we are back today with another episode of Deal Talk with 7MA. Today, I'm joined by Anthony Burke, CEO of Subversive, Josh Tucker, partner at Pillsbury, and Mark Landry, Managing Director at Seven Mile Advisors. Today, we're here discussing trends in the AR, VR space, and as everyone would like to know, how the COVID-19 pandemic is potentially going to impact that ecosystem. So before we get started, I'd love to take a moment and just let each of you introduce yourself, give a little bit of your background. So Anthony, if you want to go ahead and start us off. Sure. Thank you. Uh, hi, I'm Anthony Burke. I'm the CEO of Subversive. We are an immersive studio based in Austin, Texas. We do everything from products through services, all kind of working within the immersive spectrum, which is everything from AR to VR to 360, all things kind of from a visualization perspective. Happy to be here. I've been in the technology space for, for over 10, 20 years, uh, and we're working with a lot of the top brands and companies to think through how immersive technology can further their reach. Perfect. Thanks. Josh, I know you're a repeat offender on our Deal Talk podcast, but if you don't mind just taking a second um, and kind of giving us a quick intro and a little bit of your background. Sure. Thank you, Ariel. Delighted to be here. So I'm an intellectual property attorney with Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman in their Austin office. I specialize in software-related intellectual property with a particular emphasis on AI and particularly computer vision, and then a fair amount of time spent on open source and IP diligence issues related to financing events and things like that. And I'm very, very excited to be uh, talking with you all about augmented reality and, and virtual reality today. It's an it's a area near and dear to my heart. I think I'm six headsets in. So um, I'm a I'm a official fanboy at this point. Perfect, thank you. And Mark, if you will close us out, also a many time repeat offender on the podcast, but if you don't mind kind of quickly walking through your background, that would be great. Absolutely, and I'm also delighted to be here. My name is Mark Landry. I'm managing director of Seven Mile. I spent three decades uh, around the world managing Unilever and then my own company and consumer products, and I've spent the last five years pretty much immersed in in uh, the technology world, building out a, a consulting practice, and then laterally have joined the ranks of the investment bank to share some of my experience and help folks uh, get to the next leg of their journey, however they define that. Perfect. Thanks, Mark. So I'd love to kick off the discussion just by kind of going through a general overview on what you guys see in the market itself. Mark, if you want to kick us off and then Anthony, if you'll just kind of jump in, I know obviously working day to day in this ecosystem, you might have some uh, really pointed examples that would help explain how some of these trends are playing out right now. I'd love to kick it off for you. I, I thought um, for perspective of looking at how indeed this current crisis could married up with AR, VR, provoke change. But I think to do that, you need to have a, a bit of perspective of where the technology has been. So in layman's terms, I observed that, you know, AR, VR, you know, initially reached the market and was, had low penetration. It was really the bright, shiny object for many technology kind of folks. 
but they they gave it they put it on the map and uh it then kind of in my view it it, it became recognized as a tool and it found its way pretty broadly into the entertainment and gaming industry and, and many of us whether we know it or not are using it today whether we're doing uh, Pokemon Go or any of those types of games. But then finally, I think through the inspiration of, A, the capability of the technology and the foresight of folks like Anthony, they saw a broader application, what I would call the massification phase of any kind of uh, innovation. And they saw opportunities where this could be used very practically in many verticals. So in parallel to the capability of the particular technology, we also observed an ecosystem that was becoming very tech competent. I think at last count, there's 3 billion uh, devices in homes. I think that almost 30 some odd percent of households have three tablets or three mobile phones or three desktops. So what you're seeing here is a unification of technology that is capable of many things and a consumer environment or we'll call it the ecosystem that is capable to take advantage of it so that marriage is very important so here comes along a virus which being a fellow that's kind of a glass half full i really believe we're we're getting on top of it but through that it has imposed a need for change so consumers have had to adjust and that adjustment is how do I fulfill my everyday needs while not leaving the house? Things didn't change. I have to eat, I have to shop, I have to receive and send things, etc. So you're seeing folks who are already embedded in certain technologies are increasing their share of wallet. I personally use e-commerce. I use the digital marketplace. I'm using it much more broadly now. I suspect when this, this crisis leaves us that some of those learned behaviors will persist. Because I will have found that it wasn't so bad doing it. And then you'll find probably the bigger transformational change is those who were weary about entering this digital marketplace through necessity have had to. So many folks are using e-commerce or digital marketplace where they hadn't before. And I believe that they'll find that experience uh, was pretty satisfactory. Will it change them? Will they never go to a brick and mortar again? I doubt it. But there will be some enduring change of their behavior. So if you have a technology that has now matured to a massification level with the ingenuity of the Anthony's of the world, you have a ecosystem called consumers who are technically capable of using it. And you have a, 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 a mindset that's susceptible to change. You have what I would call the beginning of a transformation. So when I look at the areas that I personally feel will be most immediately applicable, and I'm sure Anthony will talk through this at some length, look at telemedicine. It's been with us for a while, but it's had a hard time getting broad-based footing. It was impeded by regulations, which have now been waived. It has lacked the endorsement of authorities, and if you watch any of your favorite channels, every authority in the world is, is, is proselytizing in its favor. I think you're going to see insurance companies who see it as, a, as an appropriate area to coverage, and you're going to see employers seeing it as being an appropriate place to have in benefits. So that's going to change. Uh, E-commerce is already changing. I think that will be quickly hastened. And education, I think Anthony will share with you in a minute some thoughts he has, but I mean, online education 
if I was uh, if I if I was the president or dean of a college right now, I'd be a little worried about how does my uh, learning apparatus look in the future. So again, in summary, I think you have a technology that is emerged to the level of massification. You have a susceptible tech tech enabled consumer base, and you have uh, a willingness to change. I see. AR and VR, like many other technologies, but in particular this one, having a broad-based impact on transformational change going forward. If I can add to that, too, I think that, that was great, Mark. I definitely gave a very wide view of that. I appreciate that. You're seeing, and, and you know, Mark Reed, who's uh, CEO of WPP, who you know oversees all these large holding companies from an advertising perspective, he, he, he was quoted recently on CNBC, you're seeing years of digital transformation being crammed into a few weeks. And in many ways, that is true, right? The current situation is is forcing a behavior. But as Mark stated, it started way before this. And where we're seeing why it's ripe for this change, there are companies like Subversive, but there's also, it's, it's the accessibility is there. By 2021, there's going to be over 3 billion AR-enabled devices out there, right? And so the larger tech companies have recognize this, right? So, so the tool sets are there to make the creation of this content easier and faster and cheaper. So it's easier to create these, these experiences based off the tool sets that the Apples of the world, the Googles of the world, and the Facebooks to make it easier to create these experiences along with kind of, and their platforms are also there to present this content, right? So now there we're presenting content where users are. A term I like to use a lot, and you know, you started out with, with kind of the generations that were I call them digital natives, right? They were they they grew up with the internet, right? So they're used to using internet, they're used to using e-com and things that 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 are used to in their lives, right? Their digital ecosystem. We're seeing a whole new trend now, and I call it kind of mobile first, right? Mobile natives, and you're seeing that trend switch dramatically to now most things that were done on a desktop or a laptop. There's a millennial generation that are that are growing up mobile first, right? Uh, I always make the example of my, my daughter doesn't know she's working, she's using AR, she just knows she's on Snapchat, right? And I think platforms and technology is noticing also that generation is moving into more buying power and, and, and you have to reach them in a different way. Uh, this current situation has obviously put everyone in one spot, so you need to bring products to them. But I think even prior to this, you saw a generation that is used to wanting to interact through their mobile, seeing things in their space because of the technology they're on, right? Snapchat is the fastest growing platform right now from a social perspective. There are more people on there's They have 250 unique visitors on a daily basis. That's almost 75% of an age group between 20 and 35. That's a lot of users. That's a lot of eyes. Brands are recognizing this. Products are recognizing this. So they need to get that to them. The current situation, obviously, is how do you continue that buying situation and, and do it within a point of ubiquitous buying experience? So it is not a shiny toy. It is part of the buying experience or, or brand experience or, or any kind of experience period as far as kind of education. Right? How do you bring that within to the environment they're in? Using mobile phones and using the current platforms they're on is, is, is really where we're seeing a lot of success. Yeah, this is Josh. I have a question for Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious, where, what use cases are you seeing that are providing the highest return on investment for your clients? 
I think right now, in the current situation, right, e-com has been, I think I saw the stat and, and is roughly, I think they're seeing an increase of almost 50% of e-com usage across the board. So you're seeing, and, and this is where I think, this is where the technology is maturing in that ubiquitous uses of the tech where if you're on an e-com page, you're looking to buy something. Ikea has been doing it for a while, right? Now you're seeing it across the board where people want to visualize a product in their space before they purchase it, right? They can't go to a store and visualize it. So we're seeing a very large... And, and for us, the, the friction and entry for that, that type of technology because of the tool base, because of the current platforms is easier to obtain. So for a brand, and we've had, you know, we, we do work right now with, with Keurig, which is, uh, they make coffee makers, I say. One of their biggest hurdles was people buying machines and understanding if it fits in their space, even more so now. They're seeing a really, their ROI on, on using our technology has been, been through the roof. So they're, they're excited about how that works. And I think that's one of those use cases, while it's not the sexiest use of the technology, it's a common use and it's there, Right. The other one we're seeing a lot, and I think, again, it's because of the current situation, the auto industry is hurting right now, right? People don't want to go to dealerships. But on top of that, buying a car is an emotional purchase for many people, right? And it usually takes someone multiple trips to a dealership. Dealerships spend millions of dollars on printing material, right, nationally. So now they're not getting people to the dealerships. They're not getting that material in hand. How do you bring that to users, right? So, so creating the opportunity to actually customize a car, see it in your driveway, interact with a dealer through a, a more digital portal is an area that we're seeing a lot of traction and people are very much interested in how do they adapt that quickly. And that's something where I see beyond when things move back to our somewhat new normal, that's going to be an experience that I think generations will look for Anyway, I think that's going to change how people interact with how they buy a car, right? And you're starting to see that anyway with, with kind of the new dealerships, but now creating this digital channel that people can actually, in the comfort of their house, see it in their driveway, customize a car, price it out, walk around it, get inside it, do a virtual test drive. It's a whole different experience. That's really cool. Obviously, in today's market, there's a lot of new technology that's are you finding, Anthony, that you're having to do a lot of education mm-hmm. to your potential clients about what those opportunities are? Or do you see them coming to you with the question of, how do I engage my consumer? And that's when you're able to start the conversation. Just because I know having been on the brand side of things in a prior life, sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah, this is actually, I think, it's, 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 there's definitely, with any emerging tech, there's education there, right? The typical client knows they need to reach their consumer in a different way. The nice part, though, about that is this technology is changing so fast that we'll do a lot of, we call them immersive workshops, where we'll kind of define the the problem statement with a client and then really kind of introduce the technologies that can solve that problem, right? Because I think there are different aspects and there are different ways you can reach people that we probably know about because we're constantly exploring that technology. So there's a very big education piece to this. And, you know, it's also, again, an immersive workshop. We immerse the, the users in kind of understanding the tech, understanding the difference between VR and AR and all the differences in between. And now we're seeing a pretty big convergence between the two where you're almost able to create a VR-like experience 
through a web browser, right? And, and kind of mixed media type ways like that. So we, it's our job to be kind of the subject matter experts, but also guide them towards a, a ubiquitous use of the tech, right? To me, and I've worked in emerging tech my whole career, emerging tech typically, you know, when cell phones came out, we thought it was cool. When we were able to get email on our phone, we thought it was emerging. And, and, and now it's just ubiquitous, right? So when when this kind of technology moves forward and, and you know we always say how do you make this technology boring right and boring is in the point of it's ubiquitous in the use of of a, an experience and you're starting to see that quite often i think when there you know there's commercials now where they're showing ar being used or you know i think machine learning is also the next big kind of wave between machine learning and ai having your your mobile device recognize a image or a product and give you data and details on that immediately, right? Home Depot is using that in app. You know, if you hold up a, a tool, it'll tell you the nearest Home Depot that has that tool, what aisle it's in and how much stock they have on that. That's kind of the future. And that's all AI driven machine learning technology that is just a ubiquitous use, right? It's a smart way to use the technology. I think Anthony, yeah. the, the, the applicability of, of the space you're in, there's no doubt that the digital marketplace in, in large measure has spawned a, an information hungry consumer. Consumers are increasingly, they want to know where things have been made, how they work, what it does in their body, who the authorities are, and the ability for the technology in which you uh, are an expert in to convey this and to make it real is going to, I think, just further add to that information consumption demand that is that is prevalent. The second point I would make, just following on from Ariel, it is no question in my mind that the the, the, the biggest stumbling block in innovation across, let's just call it brick and mortar for mm-hmm. use of a broad brush term, is they don't, as, as Ariel said, they don't know what they don't know. And your ability to be able to enlighten them, to, to somehow get into their their field, their arena and help them imagine what is the unimaginable is in my mind going to be a watershed for ways of thinking. You know, most brick and mortar right now are suffering with how do I convert my brand to be effective in the digital marketplace? Well, I would say they're looking at you and say, I would say you're part of that solution. Because the things that they could do to make their brand feel and look digital is impossible on the shelf of Walmart. It is not impossible on the shelf of call it Unilever.com. And so their ability to express the merits of their brand equity in a way that has become important to the digital consumer will help them get their fair share. Do you agree with that? I do, I do. And I think I think you're seeing an interesting trend as well with brands. The new consumer, right? And and again, I I, I th- there's a persona around this kind of digital first, very thoughtful in kind of their purchases. They look for more of a bespoke experience, right? Beyond just going to brick and mortar and, and if you, you even see the trends in, in, in kind of the the brands that are much more that are that are becoming much more popular now and, and more uh, successful. They they can you can and you can use this technology to create those more bespoke experiences beyond just the brick and mortar, right? Where you can do digital try-ons, right? You can create brand connection 
a term I like to use is, is connecting people within their full digital ecosystem, right? And, you know, that means not only connecting with them in real life, but also when they leave, they're taking that brand experience with them or that beyond in their mobile experience, in their, you know, again, I, I think the next big wave is going to be how does things interact with your IoT, right? Everyone has a smart device in their house now, for the most part, how do you, how do you tap into that experience, right? And I think you're going to start seeing brands thinking through, okay, beyond this point, what is, and then how do you use then that data and that AI to be extremely focused, right? I mean, you can then take experience and say, okay, we have data, you know, companies like Amazon have buyer intent, location, and pretty much most user behaviors in their data pool, right? How do you use that to then create a much more customized experience across a brand? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, we uh, we had a forum where we had a, a number of very, very successful digital marketplaces, digital brands. Mm-hmm. And to a person, they were seeing the need to develop brick and mortar in the form of pop-ups. Yeah. And the interesting part is that pop-up has to be a unique ex- extension of what they've presented in the digital marketplace. And I really see AR and VR as being one of the critical bridges to be able to make that pop-up not just look like a small version of a brick and mortar, but to be rather an extension of the digital marketplace. So I think you're going to see a huge amount of innovation as we as we see them trying to broaden their appeal or their authenticity through these what they call pop-ups or brick and mortar like capability. Yeah, and I think we're we're seeing quite a bit of that where users will interact with these pop-ups and then what that'll do then it'll extend to their mobile devices in the form of an AR experience. Yeah. And then, you know, for a brand it's there's there's it's it's a win-win for them because then not only are people interacting continually so they're going beyond the brick and mortar and they're having this experience with AR off of their mobile device, they're also this is the this is the share society now, right? Everyone wants to now post their experience specific with a brand to one of their social, right? So now they're creating this kind of effect where it's it's a it's a social it's a social experiment as well or a social experience as well beyond kind of that one interaction. And that to me, and that's where brands are seeing that. And you know, again, I, I think underlying the these social platforms that. All of these, a lot of these experiences are living on it is it, just continuing to grow. And again, going back to the current state we're in, these social platforms are seeing 30, 40, 50% increase in usage based off of the current pandemic, right? And I think that while we'll, we'll, when we do get out of this, you'll see a slight decrease in that. But I believe that folks will be continually communicating through that, experiencing brands through that. And, you know, that experience then gets extended on those platforms. Right? I think what we're starting to find out is that even though a lot of this technology has been around for a while, we're just starting to scratch the surface in terms of what those end usage cases will be and can be. So I'd like to take just a second and pivot a bit. Josh, you obviously are looking at this technology from a slightly different lens being on your side of the table. I would love to hear what trend you're seeing in terms of trademarks or patents that are kind of protecting some of this technology that's being developed right now. Yeah, it's a really exciting time. This is this is a once or twice a career phenomenon for an intellectual property attorney. If you kind of look at the history of technology, 
over say the last hundred years, we've had a number of what we call platform shifts, like the move to say radio's advent, and then the move from radio to television, from black and white television to color, to cable, to the internet, to mobile. And there's good reason to think that this is another one of those. And the sophisticated players have picked up on that and they've looked, they've learned history's lessons and they're starting to file in the, um, sort of the, the lead up to that wave. And it's starting to hit it really, it's really starting to hit now. The idea is that when you have a platform shift, you have this uh, collection of standards that evolve. And those are often relatively technical standards that you can use as hooks for knocking down patents right so if you if you can sprinkle in a little bit about the standard for transitioning between say color tv frames and include in there something about say let's include tv guide like information in that space between frames and that standard it becomes really easy to get a patent on something that somebody has to do and has no prior art because no one had a reason to do that before and so this is a this is a very exciting time for what i do for patents which kind of raises the question, like, why now? Because um, AR has been around for a while. Everybody saw Terminator. Um, <laughs> we saw what it looks like. We uh, we read Neuromancer, if you're a sci-fi geek like me, and we're really motivated by it. So why now? I think it ties into some of the stuff Anthony mentioned, where the friction's starting to get reduced, right? We've got hardware acceleration for computer vision that's making it massively more energy and uh, compute efficient. We've got some really nice libraries and toolkits coming online with the uh, OS providers and, and WebXR. And so with these tools, forward-thinking folks are building, starting to build really interesting, compelling experiences. I spent half of yesterday with showing my kids an imaginary zoo in our house with, with um, invisible lions and tigers, where if you, if you query on Google now, uh, tiger. It, one of the options will be to show in 3D in your space. And my four-year-old just flipped out and it blows my mind that he's going to think that's normal now. So it, it's, it's really exciting for us to be targeting some of these things now and learning about them and advising our clients on how to make the best of this kind of once-in-a-generation opportunity. So I think we've talked about a couple different facets of this sector and ecosystem. But I think one place I would like to tie it back to, Mark, would be how do we see this playing out within the M&A market? Obviously, there's a lot of technology that's going to be very interesting to buyers, both from a private equity lens to maybe a strategic buyer who is looking to bring some of these capabilities in-house. Where do you see this market going? Um, and how do you think maybe the coronavirus and some of the uptick in the need in some of these products would potentially impact that market? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think I would liken it to, well, first of all, I, I would say that on balance, we're seeing every day a the nexus between technology and brick and mortar thicken, thicken, thicken. Perhaps the best example or the earliest one is, is e-commerce, a vehicle for brick and mortar to reach the, the digital marketplace. I believe that in this particular space, AR, VR, that if you're a brick and mortar, traditional brick and mortar branded company, whether that be in clothing or in healthcare or in beauty care or in furniture, you are going to want to either build, buy, or ally 
with folks like Anthony who can become part of your innovation engine. And you will start to innovate, you will start to broaden your existing brand base more effectively out of the brick and mortar into these alternate channels. And or you will build into your brand, brand insights and innovation the whole notion of AR, VR. So I would say initially it's going to be a, it should be uh, a big play for either emerging or big branded companies to want to own this capability. The second one obviously is going to be because of its rapid uh, adoption, it is going to be a huge play at the PE level in my view for finding folks like Anthony, et cetera, who have existing clientele, have uh, enormous IP within the technology that have a strong scalable leadership to potentially be that platform that they can build a much bigger solution in that ecospace. So I see it twofold. There's a big reason for the private equity world to want to own this because of its growth and differentiating characteristics. And there is a huge reason for the consumer products business of this world to want to own this. Now, I could go on. I mean, the industrial world should want to own it. But those are the two that immediately come to my mind that will become very interested in this space very quickly. I would agree. And I think from what we're seeing in the market, there's still a lot of very interested buyers out there, even with some of the uncertainty around some of the macroeconomic trends that we're seeing right now. So as we start to wrap this up, I would like to go back around and give everybody an opportunity just to give final thoughts on either where you see the industry going, suggestions you have for either companies that are playing in this space or companies that are hoping uh, to implement some technology in this space. So Josh, I'll go ahead and let you kind of kick off any final thoughts that you might have here. Yeah, and this ties into what Mark was just saying, because there there is going to be a wave of M&A activity and liquidity events when the money folks really get clued into this. And the key for what I would advise companies to do right now is to plan for your diligence when that happens, right? It's, it's build the record that you've been a good steward of your intellectual property. It's, you need to be thinking about this a lot like a film studio in terms of the um, rights holders for the music, for like sync rights. Like you don't want to be having that stuff come up when you're trying to close a, a large financing or a, an acquisition. So just have good IP hygiene and it'll make your life a lot easier later. Yeah, I think Mark and I can definitely back that up. If you're listening to this and saying, oh, there might be a potential for me to sell my business in the next couple months, definitely start thinking about those things sooner rather than later. I promise you will thank yourself. So Anthony, why don't you go ahead next? Sure. I think it goes back to, again, you know, you know I stated this earlier, we're seeing all of this digital transformation occurring because of the current situation and, and really speeding up really user behavior. And I always go back to what is a ubiquitous use and how, how do we think through what the user perspective is, right? And, and I think we're going to see beyond the pandemic users expecting more, right, out of their experiences, right? And, you know, I, I tell brands and I tell companies, think through from that aspect, right? How, do, how does this technology become a, a, a true tool to not only benefit the the end user, but benefit the the brand or 
the company that is utilizing it, right? Because I think there's opportunity there to extend. There's opportunity there to to actually and grow and, and reach a market that they're really not typically used to reaching. Again, these these mobile natives who these mobile first generation that is coming up, who are having more buying power, it's an expected use use case for them. So thinking through that, and then also too from a from a perspective, and, and we didn't really touch too much on it, but on the B two B side, there's quite a bit opportunity. I think from you know how do you expedite training? How do you use this technology to to make your your companies more efficient? And there's technologies now, and there's there's platforms now, and as these platforms become more robust, and when five G eventually gets here more things are going to be able to be computed in the cloud experiences at, at that level of, you know, either at a training episode or even at events will be much more prevalent. Right. And, 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 you know, there's going to be opportunity to think through how do we, how do you get more into people's hands at those, at those, at those points and extend the situations right into the full digital ecosystem. Thanks. Yeah. I think that's another big area that we didn't get the chance to dive into today, but as 5G becomes more prevalent, I think we'll all be interested to see what, who's able to leverage these new technologies and what they're able to come out with just because of the adoption that's a, bound to take place. With that being said, Mark, I will let you go ahead and kind of put a bow on all of this and give any parting thoughts that you might have on the topic. Yeah, thank you. Uh, first of all, I've really enjoyed this and learned a lot myself. I would say I would go back to my first principle. We've we've now seen we have a marketplace or an ecosystem that's got scalable technology, that's got an enabled ecosystem in the consumer's hands, and a propensity for change that is was on its way and has been precipitated by the crises. You can't have a more fertile growth environment than that. I would then go back to another comment where this will grow as fast as the ingenuity of the Anthony's of the world are brought to bear. That's going to take money. So I think that going back to the M&A angle, folks like Anthony and his, and his type are going to need partners who can put, can share his vision, their vision, and be able to capitalize them where they can start to more broadly impact and change the thinking of the current environment to adjust to this fertile growth environment. I think that'll take uh, time and money, and it's going to be fueled by, again, the entrepreneur and enabled enablement through capital. Well, thank you all three for being here today. Um, I think um, it was great to kind of look at this from a couple different angles. And if anyone has follow-up questions, please feel free to reach out to me. My contact information is all available on the 7 Mile website. It's my first name, Ariel at 7mileadvisors.com. We would love to answer any follow-up questions that you might have after listening to this discussion. Otherwise, gentlemen, thanks again for being here and taking part in this episode. And I hope everyone stays safe. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Deal Talk with 7MA. You'll find more information and resources based on today's discussion exclusively on our website. If you're looking to dive deeper into today's topics, head to 7mileadvisors.com to speak to one of our bankers today. That's the number 7, M-I-L-E-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com. 7M Securities does not make any investment recommendation for any company or security that was discussed, nor does the firm offer any tax advice. Consult your tax advisor for any tax matter that might apply to you or your business. 